Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of ESSR Central, the show where we break down all the latest news and recaps of the weekly wrestling TV shows here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat. I am Scott McLeod, your host today, and uh, it's a bit of a quiet or episode of uh, ESSR Central, not in terms of, uh, of news, there's plenty of that to talk about, but in terms of like panel size, it's just going to be me and uh, a man who used to hear me talk to every Saturday on Saturday Draft Live as you can find in our back catalogue on all good Android podcasts and sites, as well as all the other shows that we do. Uh, as a man who was on two, one of the sides of a big debate we had in our big ESSR group chat the other night, you know, there are people who thought that Love Actually was a pile of shite, and there are people like who liked it and are wrong. <laughs> Listen, I don't care what you say, Love Actually is a classic film. Like, I mean, I think Hugh Grant would do a much better job uh, as Prime Minister in this day and age. Well, you can't do any worse. Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask you to start uh, about what your favourite Christmas film is, and if you say it, it's Love Actually, I will. I don't know what, how I can carry on. No, no, I've, I've got quite a good few uh, favourite Christmas songs, but I think if I had to choose one, um, I don't know, quite an underappreciated one. I'd go with Saviour's Day by Cliff Richard. That's the Christmas song, I mean, the Christmas film, but yeah, it's a good choice here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know there's all those mainstream ones and stuff, but you know, I think that was like a, a hidden gem for me. Well, what would you say in terms of like favorite Christmas like film? Uh, probably Home Alone. That's good. I kind of prefer Home Alone too. To be honest with you, I don't oh. know why. I think I'm in the minority on that on that front. Yeah, I've got some curry on it. <laughs> that's still a Home Alone film, so I'll let you off with that one. Yeah, well, the the season completely went downhill. You know, they still had Macaulay involved after he left. It was. It just became a mess, but what I I believe the greatest Christmas film of all time, and I will fight anyone who disagrees with me, is Muppets Christmas Carol, because it's perfect Christmas Eve viewing, and like it's a story that's been told thousands of times, but somehow the Muppets did it the best, in my opinion. No, I agree. I think it was a very good one, and Michael Caine as Scrooge was uh, as as perfect casting. You know, you see in wrestling. The best can, best wrestlers can have a good match here, but Michael Caine can have the best actor performance and perform alongside a bunch of puppets. You know, that's how good <laughs> Michael Caine is. Yep. 
but we will get into the news eventually uh, when we move on from Christmas back to Ireland. I just wanted to get this to start the show rather than people flagging each other. Like, you know, I'm in the Christmas spirit, you know, I've got my, my Grinch jumper on the day I put my tree up. I'm right in the, the <laughs> start of December, you know, which also means that 2020 is almost over, which is also good. Uh, it's December as well, like when this goes out. So it's, uh, it's perfect to get the Christmas chat underway now. Yeah, 100%. But as I mentioned, all good Android podcasting sites is where you can find shows like Saturday Night Live with myself, David, and our good friend Jack. And you can also find previous episodes of Aces Are Central as well as our feature shows in our back catalogue. Our most recent episode was on the best uh, female rivalries in wrestling. David was a part of that. David Campbell hosted it. And all sorts of other good shows we've got going on. Also, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Suplex Retreat to keep up with everything we've got going on. It's on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And also, while you're keeping up with us, why don't you check out our, our YouTube channel. We're putting up new content all the time. We got Quiz Showdown. Uh, I believe towards the end of December, we'll have a special Christmas edition of Quiz Showdown. Quiz Showdown Six. Merry Christmas, to you filthy animals! To give it full title, Daniel Campbell stepping back into the host chair. And we also got Book It, our fantasy booking tournament. The most recent episode that went up was David going up against Ryan Gallagher. I, I watched it. I very much enjoyed it. I believe the next episode goes up at some point in the coming weeks. It's going to be Jack versus Ross. And also, David Campbell does some show. I think it's called Conspiracy Theories. <laughs> but, you know, all of the way, uh, we've got a bit of sad news to start off. We want to get this kind of out of the way. Because also, we we only found out about a few hours before we started recording. It's the sad news that uh, at the age of 79, the legend known as uh, Pat Patterson has sadly passed away. And I think David... Patterson will be known for one thing above all else, and that is obviously the hardcore evening gown match oh, from King of the Ring 2000. An absolute classic, as, oh. we, as we found out in Quiz Showdown 5. Yeah, minus three stars it got on the Meltzer scale, and but listen, I don't want his uh, his good his name to be tarnished with that match. I think we all you know could do with just erasing that, erasing that from our memories. But I think. The thing you'd remember most about Pat Patterson is, is that he was actually the first ever intercontinental champion. And he set the, he basically set the trail for, you know, like all these uh, workhorse talents, you know, to wear that glorious white strapped championship at some point or another. Mm-hmm, definitely. And a completely real tournament that definitely happened down in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, and. I remember that, talking back, I know we don't like to think about that uh, evening gear match, but I remember when me and Ross reviewed it alongside uh, our review of uh, King of the Ring 2000 for Ross's retro reviews. I I really had a story about how Bruce Pritchard said on his podcast an episode about the Hardcore Tale that when they told Patterson and Briscoe about uh, the match, there was the two varying reactions. You know, it was a case of everybody going, who wants to tell Briscoe this multiple-time former tide champ he has to wear a dress? Whereas as soon as they told Patterson, Patterson was already picking out his outfit. Oh gosh, I actually <laughs> never do that. Yeah, Patterson was was well up for it. Uh, he was also very like he was part of Vince's kind of inner circle in terms of creative, and I think in terms of creative, he was well well known as Bruce Pritchard once said that he was always a finishes guy. When like whenever they couldn't figure out a finish for a match, he was always go 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 ask back. He'll think of something, and also he's also. He's also well known as the guy who basically came up with the concept of the Royal Rumble, which mm-hmm. I think will also go down as part of his legacy. I believe he's also the oldest uh, ever champion in WWE history, having won the twenty four seven championship at the age of 
I think it was either I think it was either seventy seven or seventy eight at the time. I believe so. I can't remember who it was, if he or uh, Gerald Briscoe were older, like when they won it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, as I said about the Royal Rumble, we probably like because like you look at the Royal Rumble match. We we talked about pay per views like Hell in a Cell, TLC, and how they devalued the, the gimmick matches because oh, it's the time once we need to have this kind of match. You don't hear anybody say that about the Rumble when January comes around because mm-hmm. it's become that much of a part of, of WWE's calendar. Yeah. It's become a staple match as well, and you've got to thank him for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sad to, to hear about his passing, but you know, it, he will he left us with a lot of stuff to good stuff to kind of remember him by. And we move on to some some weirder news. Uh, I mentioned about twenty twenty, hopefully being over soon, because we've got you know we've had pandemics, we've got people dying, we've got weird all sorts of weird shit happening. You got to think twenty twenty one couldn't be any weirder. But Dave, if I was to tell you that potentially in 2021 uh, WCW is coming back, what would you say? I'd say you're absolutely off your rocker because I don't really know how best they could bring WCW back uh, unless they actually brought back all those uh, trademark names that NXT has been using lately, like Halloween Havoc and War Games and all that. But <laughs> Yeah, because recently uh, a Twitter account at WCW underscore 2021 has recently started and has been making some announcements claiming that somebody is trying to reboot WCW in 2021 with the first show happening at the end of 2021. October 10th, I believe 2021 is when it's set to start by uh, Skystorm Productions and a, a statement was put out recently by uh, the owner and CEO of this WCW group, Alexander Fox. And I remember like, this got shared in our group chat and I kept thinking like, I kept thinking like, is this, is this real? Is this a... I'm trying like, looking for signs of this being a parody account, but everything I'm seeing looks like someone's actually trying to do this. I mean, either it's the best uh, parody account that's been put together in the most convoluted way, or, you know, this is legit. It's, uh, but you know what? Some crazy things have happened in the past uh, 12 months, and I think all we need right now is another uh, is another big surprise such as this one. <laughs> so to hear the same was put out earlier this morning, an announcement was made on Twitter account we were bringing back the once popular wrestling promotion on October 10, 2021 by a Skystorm production. Unfortunately, the reception was met with a lot of mixed and negative reception online. It's made believe we did not have the rights to the original WCW and thought this was a hoax. Mm-hmm. Besides our tweet being criticised, because we ensure fans of the upcoming WCW that we do in fact have rights to original property. However, World Wrestling Entertainment told us that we can have only 50% of the original WCW, meaning that we can only have the rights to some logos and pay-per-views and merchandise and as well as character names. So they do have, they own some names and stuff that you can use from the original WCW. I'm assuming it's stuff yeah. that WWE doesn't have plans for to like, use for the, to use for like NXT specials like Halloween Havoc. They've got like WCW programming on the network too. So I'm, I'm not really sure what, uh, if they can even do anything about you know, reviving WCW because I was under the assumption that WWE just owned the lot or is it just because, you know, Maybe they just own the trademarks to certain names and stuff, but original content, you know, could be if they do a complete revamp of it, then maybe, maybe they might get away with it. But I don't really know all the the legal complexities behind it all. But you know what? See if see if it does come back. You know that that just makes the the wrestling scene that much more competitive. With uh, obviously AEW on one side, then you get WWE, and now possibly 
a WCW reboot. Yeah, because like AEW is part of the, the hype around it. Is it's the biggest competitor WWE's had since WCW. Mm-hmm. And now that an actual WCW is coming in, you know it's going to annoy some fans of AEW because AEW and Cody were trying to get some names used from WCW to use on their program. And you got to think that whatever names they were trying to get, which they recently dropped the trademark attempt to get, it probably is what WWE's going to allow these guys to get. And it's going to kick up a big fuss online. It says, at the end of their statement, it says, our first pay-per-view event, Greed, I believe was one of the final ever WCW pay-per-views. It will be live on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch on October 20th, 2021. And it's basically promising a great year for wrestling fans in 2021. And what I'm interested to know is, like, what are they going to use championship-wise? Because surely, like, if they're gaining rights to something, surely WWE won't allow them to use the old uh, big gold belt that people associate as the WCW championship. I think the only way they're going to get around this is if they design their own championships, because obviously the big gold belt is uh, is now WWE property, so I don't think they'll be allowed to use that. Yeah, it's certainly weird. I mean, I doubt they're going to get... Maybe they'll pop up some old faces from it from WCW that are still around. Probably won't have them like wrestling currently, but like that, with the idea of like maybe some unknown indie talent getting to maybe, like, get this platform under like a recognisable name. You know, some people call old laps fans will probably recognise the name WCW and then be reintroduced to a whole new crop of talent. So, you know, I'm not going to turn my nose up at it. I'm sure over the next year or so, if this is going to happen, uh, we'll, we'll get more news about it. But I thought, I'd seen this earlier, I thought we had to bring this up because, like, it's just one of those things, again, this year cannot get any weirder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll move on uh, to the news and we'll talk about WWE and about the Thunderdome. Uh, the plans are obviously starting in, towards the end of December. WWE will be moving away from uh, the Thunderdome to a new location. But uh, there are already currently some problems uh, with this new arena in Florida because, one, I've heard rumours of having certain sound issues of how the sound, their stuff sounds in this new venue. And also, WWE seems to have a, a pigeon problem, which sounds like the plot of a really weird made-for-TV Disney movie. Mm. and not something a billion-dollar company like WWE would have issues with, because apparently there's a family of pigeons nesting in the rafters of the arena that they're trying to set the Thunderdome up in. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a weird one, because because uh, I thought Tropicana Field was a, a closed-dome stadium, it's, or it's got a dome that's non-retractable, so I'm not even sure how the pigeons got in there in the first place, either, or they just went through the front door, must have navigated their way around the... The, the blinders and the seats and stuff and just found uh, found their way in, which has been... But... I mean, the sound issues I can really... I can understand because, you know, it's, it's a it's a much larger venue. It's a baseball stadium rather rather than just like a like a gig venue where you're like the Amway Centre. So the, the sound issues don't surprise me. The pigeons, though, does seem a bit far-fetched, but you never know. It's it's just the, one of the crazy, one of the crazier things that happen when trying to move to a new a new location. Yeah, I'm interested to see like how this new venue looks uh, for wrestling because it is much larger than the Amway Center because it is meant for like baseball. And you got to think with this bigger venue, you got to think WWE is actually hoping as well as the fans that will appear on the Thunderdome, they're going to mm-hmm. want some actual fans in the arena soon, similar to how NXT's got it. So uh, with some people around the barricade and then people on Zoom, uh, yeah. like uh, a version of the Thunderdome. I mean, you've had and, people. You've had people, you know, sitting in an arena with bats and stuff, like as in 
when I think Ronda Rousey was at ringside and there was a bat uh, in the arena. So, I mean, I'm sure pigeons wouldn't be too much hassle. If anything, I'd rather be in, given what's happened this year, I'd rather be in, a, in an arena trapped with pigeons than a bat. <laughs> yeah, but was that the bat that started this whole COVID off? We'll never know. You never know. I'm, I'm just avoiding bats from now on. <laughs> but you know, I think also the Royal Rumble is coming up soon in, uh, in January, which is an event they'll want fans to be there for. And uh, Wrestle Votes, who have a really good track record of breaking news, news stories on Twitter, said that they're set to make a decision about fans being uh, at the Royal Rumble by the 7th of January. That's when we should expect an announcement by. And they said currently at the moment, it's really 50-50 on whether or not we'll have fans at the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. It's... Uh... I think given the situation in the States, you know, you know, we're, we're still in the process of moving from one president to another and the the case numbers aren't going down. Uh, deaths are still going up and they've only just announced about a couple of vaccines worldwide because obviously us in the UK, we've got that Pfizer vaccine for it's uh, a joint production between the UK and Germany uh, that's coming over to here. But in the US, uh, they've obviously got uh, places like Moderna who have released a vaccine, even, you know, being, uh, have, even though the news of a vaccine has come out, it's still going to take some time before enough people get vaccinated to hold large scale events. And so if I was to lean on this 50-50 decision, I think they'd have to postpone having fans back for, even if it's just for a little bit longer, or they could do what AEW is doing, you know, just have the talent not competing, sit in the audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there was a way for them to do it safely with like a limited capacity of fans spread out, wearing masks, observing like social distancing, and that. But you know, I don't really, I don't think I trust uh, a main roster WWE show to really abide by this because you know there was all the stories about when they did had people in the when they had their own like developmental talent as part of the fans at the PC. You know, there were people who were told not to wear masks, and some people were bright up. People were getting too close together. Uh-huh. So then bringing actual fans in, and again, this is in Florida, a really like one of the big hot zones, I think, in the US. Yeah. COVID outbreaks. Yeah. And it's, a very, it's a very red state as well. If uh, if we're talking politics here, like uh, you've still got people who are like against like wearing masks, and you get anti-vaxxers too. So like it's uh it's all a bit. It's all a bit of a hot mess at this stage because you're not going to get everybody thinking the same way, and people of either people will politicize things or people will spread disinformation, and I think it just it will just reduce the amount of confidence and trust the public has. Because mm-hmm. you know when Vince wants is going to get like fans back, I don't think he's going to want a half hour. So he's going to want a full venue to capacity, which he's not going to be able to get for a while, even mm-hmm. though we. We were talking on Central some weeks ago about Raymond James Stadium potentially having a full capacity at WrestleMania, even though we, they probably shouldn't be. You know, it's the lead up to WrestleMania season. That's why Vince is probably going to want fans back if he can. And mm-hmm. as, and to some extent, I can get it. Like, I don't think it should be a full like stadium of fans. It should be like like a third capacity, like they're doing over in Japan, as me and Grant have covered before. And because like. It's going to be weird having a Royal Rumble with no fans because part of the, the fun of it is the live fans getting to chant along with the countdown and then see the surprise and the pop if somebody returns. Because you've got to think, if like, somebody comes back who we've not seen in ages uh, at, this year, at next year's Rumble and there's no pop, it's just going to feel like flat. Yeah, it's a bit rubbish, but 
Well, you know, as you said, I think Japan's actually handled the response pretty well. You know, they've been able to get fans back, albeit in a much uh, stricter capacity, but it's it's still getting fans back. And that's what I like about, you know, a lot of these um, these countries on the, the west side of the Pacific is that, you know, they've, they've taken a much more proactive approach to uh, containing COVID and in, and implementing these strict mandates to, you know, make life feel as normal as possible. Like New Zealand is probably the best example because I'm pretty sure um, that they're, they're, they're allowing like full capacity sports events to take place again. I can't remember if it was uh, Aussie football or, or the rugby, but either way, we've, uh, New Zealand has basically done the best job out of anybody. And I think that's the goal we're aiming towards. But the United States, when you look at the cases and the number of deaths, it's just so far behind uh, trying to rectify things that only, I'm pretty sure the CDC were saying that uh, in America, were saying that it might not be till like June time before the US gets back to normal. So I think my, I think, we have to be extremely optimistic if we want at least some fans attending WrestleMania this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think I still think somehow they're gonna they're gonna do it. They're gonna have some fans there. I don't think they'll like, have it'll be too many like people there. But I think if they can have enough people there, they can make noise and make it feel somewhat normal again, feel like a proper rumble again. And hopefully they'll they take the proper steps to do that. And I'll, it'll be good to see. And we'll move on to uh, some news regarding uh, Liv Morgan and Sami Zayn. I don't know, Dave, have you watched uh, the Liv Morgan documentary that we recently dropped on the network? Uh, not yet, no, but I have heard stories that um, I have seen like stories and clips online about Sami Zayn wanting to do a program with Liv Morgan, but she was kind of just stopped dead in her tracks. So, Liv Morgan is actually a bit of a curious case because, you know, she... She thrived as part of the riot squad, you know, given their their limitations. But there definitely feels something that, you know, it was just holding her back. Maybe I don't know if it was just management or poor booking, but I vastly underappreciated talent in in many aspects. Yeah, uh, they talk openly about the riot squad on the documentary about how like the both Morgan that were annoyed that they got split up so soon before they got a chance to really be contenders for the women's title. Uh, Ruby and Sarah openly admit that they weren't sure when they were got the pairing that that love would fit in the group because like Sarah and Ruby went back a long way on the, the Indies, but they created love for kind of fitting in almost from day one. And like love is thought a bit like character she pitched and all that. And Sami Zayn said on Twitter shortly after the documentary was released that he, when he started his old great lib- the great liberator character, where he started like forming this group with uh, Cesaro and Nakamura that he wanted to work with Liv. And I could actually see that being okay because, you know, the idea of her being a heel but with Sammy as her, her mouthpiece, uh, could it, she could have done great things because she when she got drafted to SmackDown which split up the Riot Squad but then basically didn't she was off TV for ages. And it would have been, I think it would have been better for her to get her on TV with Sammy Zayn because you never know what those two could have done together. Ah, it would have been pretty interesting the Maybe they could even... I don't even know why they did it all the way back at the Mixed Match Challenge. Uh, like there was an opportunity for them to be paired together then as well. Um, but, you know, Sami Zayn, you know, he's one of the best on the mic and he's such a sniveling heel. I think, you know, he would have elevated Liv Morgan to, to new heights following a post-Riot Squad split because I think they were all... Uh, they were all sort of... Go, had sort of no direction for, for any of them by that point. And it was, it, it was... It was really, really stupid to split them up because you can tell they're all like best friends... 
in real life. Mm. And it's a shame they never had more opportunities for the women's tag titles. Yeah, it really sucks. But hopefully, going forward, Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot uh, might say, like, make up for that. And, like, they can challenge and maybe get a short run as women's tag champs. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Liv Morgan's push seems to be, like, stop start for the last year or so. But, you know, here's hoping that she actually gets something worthwhile. Uh, we're gonna, we've got a couple of stories here that relate to Roman Reigns and his upcoming booking. Uh, first off, we've got the talk about the Royal Rumble. It's said that, according to Meltzer, that the plan is currently for Daniel Bryan to at the Royal Rumble. It says dependent on uh, Daniel Bryan, whatever he does, because Bryan's apparently got a place on the SmackDown booking team. So basically, mm-hmm. he has kind of he kind of makes his decisions on like what he does in regards to his character and. Uh, it's interesting because like Meltzer was reporting us quite a while ago that Roman was going to face Brian as his next challenger post the because apparently oh they don't see many people on SmackDown right now who can face Roman heading into the Rumble. But we'll talk about Roman's TLC opponent later on. Uh, I don't see why they had to extend that program. You can't extend that program to the Rumble and because mm-hmm. I don't see you at the moment. Why Brian should suddenly just rush into the, the Universal Title program? I mean, last time he was at the Royal Rumble, he actually did uh, have a Universal Title match with a Fiend in that strap match. Remember? Mm-hmm. So I mean, two Universal Title matches in a row. I mean, it, may, it it wouldn't be too bad booking. And I think in some aspect, they do have to play it safe or sort of just ride out the momentum until WrestleMania season because I think any I think a lot of people are suspecting Roman Reigns is going to retain the Universal Title all the way to WrestleMania. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And like, I don't, I wouldn't mind a, a Brian Roman feud because you know the idea of Roman having resentment for Brian because like 2015, the idea like they booed me because I wasn't you, and they can use that. But I think that given that Roman was a bit later on, but TLC he's meant to face Kevin Owens there. I like what they're doing with Kevin Owens right now, and I don't see why they can just continue that to uh, to the Rumble. And they like save the Brian thing for another time, but maybe they'll have to use of course Kev- Kevin Owens at TLC and Kevin Owens can maybe face to use at the Rumble. Well, the Roman and Kevin also have history as well because if you remember all the way back at late 2016 into 2017, uh, Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns had, were feuding for the Universal Title, uh, and they even went all the way to a a no disqualification shark cage match with Chris Jericho hanging above the ring. So there is some history between the two. It's not just like a random feud thrown out there. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not a feud, but I think like, the way that they're, the way they put Kevin last week on SmackDown, where he, he was basically coming for Roman, I think they could actually keep that going to the Rumble. Mm-hmm. But they wanted to get Jay Uso involved. I think our program between Jay Uso and Kevin on so big because they've really given Jay Uso some opportunities as a singles guy recently, while you know he waits for, for Jimmy to come back from his injury. Uh, we'll also remember Jey Uso attacked Brian after the Survivor Series qualifying match and he had to get lifted out on a stretcher. I, I could see that could be the reason why this feud's getting extended towards the Rumble. It's sort of planting seeds for something further down the line. So uh, maybe that's their way, their way of thinking behind it. And TLC is more just the, the B pay-per-view feud uh, for Kevin Owens. So I think, I think they see Roman and Brian as like a big draw match and they're saving it for a big four pay-per-view. Uh, I'd kind of forgotten about that qualifying match, so just as well, you brother, I can mm-hmm. see where you're yeah, coming with for that. But we'll go back a bit further. Uh, if you remember, everybody assumed that there was a feud being teased between 
the the Fiend and Roman. You had like Roman won that the title and that triple threat match when the Fiend was the champion. You had the introduction of Wobbly Walrus to the Funhouse, meant to be a parody of of Paul Heyman, but then the feud was kind of dropped, and then why it was moved over to Raw. And it said that officials felt that a Roman Fiend program wouldn't have done Roman any favours. And they said that they were actually, as a goal right now, is to protect Roman from bad booking at the minute. Because right now, as the top heel on SmackDown, they want to keep him as strong as possible, which I think that's fair enough. It would be weird to see like, a serious tribal chief character interact with uh, Mr. Rogers Bray Wyatt. But <laughs> I think the idea of like protecting people from bad booking, I think the booking would have hurt the Fiend more than Roman, because you've got to think Roman would have to hold on to the title. Uh, and I think this is, again, the reason why people say the Fiend shouldn't be in the title picture, because he ultimately will have to lose. Mm-hmm. So I think why did the party lose from this feud than, uh, than Roman Reigns did? They, they both had uh, a lot to lose, so it was it was really difficult to decide you know, which way to go with it. And I'm glad that they sort of went with Roman as well, because otherwise we wouldn't have this outstanding tribal chief uh, head of the table on SmackDown and as a heel character too, which is something fans have been clamoring for for so long. I think maybe sort of keeping mm-hmm. the Fiend outside the title picture is probably the best thing as well because, you know, with Drew is doing an excellent job as WWE champion and I don't think it would, I don't think it would do either of them any favours uh, if the Fiend is the one to take the pin because, you know, the Fiend's meant to be this all-powerful entity that just comes out of nowhere and if he's getting beaten by... Drew, it might actually end up putting heat on Drew, and he's actually been a very popular WWE champion all year. So, but but the Fiend's got this really good feud with Randy Orton at the minute, and I, well, well, actually, I say really good. It's uh, it's manageable at least. But the, I think I, I don't see any other way except the Fiend going over on this one because he needs to regain some of that lost momentum. Yeah, I think if they're going to revisit a Fiend Roman feud, I think it's best to wait till neither of them are involved with the title because. We know why what these feuds like to call back to people who have hurt them in the past. And, you know, you can call back to the anyone but you, Roman, story from back in 2015, and they had that Hell in a Cell match. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the stuff you can do there. But I think I can see why they... I even said this before on this podcast, I believe it was, that uh, I think that Roman should remain, like, unbeaten, at least cleanly, until WrestleMania, where if it's going to be Biggie, as the rumors are said, then Biggie, like... Beating Roman clean or whoever it is beats Roman clean. Uh, I really like gives you a new top star on SmackDown in the in terms of a babyface. So yeah, keeping Roman away from Wyatt for now is the best move. Some so unfortunate news here is a uh, former Ring of Honor and Impact Wrestling star Jimmy Brave recently announced that he's had to retire under one of the more unfortunate circumstances in that due to an infection, which he kind of put off getting seen. Uh, his left arm has had to be amputated amputated above the, the elbow, which is basically effectively put an end to his, his wrestling career, which I think mm. is almost like he's almost been wrestling for like twenty years, twenty one years. And unfortunately like he never got to WWE but his his career had to sad that his career had to end this way. Yeah, it's a real shame. Like it's uh I mean there's not much you can really do about having to get your arm amputated and stuff because yeah it's it's not, it's not a nice thing, but it's not to say, you know, anything's impossible because we have seen, uh, you remember Zach Gowan, you know, he had a, <laughs> yeah. he had a, a, a false leg attached because I think his other one was amputated in some way or he lost it in an accident. I can't remember which one, but you know, it's, it's not to say that, you know, people with, with missing limbs can't compete, but, you know, Jimmy Rave, you know, it's, it's obviously his decision to make and it's it, definitely a difficult one, but especially when, uh, 
you have to get you have to deal with an infection and then the amputation happens it's I mean it does a, a number on you mentally and it's not to say they couldn't come back you know idea if he wrestled with one arm like it could be interesting to see uh, like said, we have seen people wrestle with like only one leg Crazy Steve a wrestler for Impact Wrestling basically came out and said that he was legally blind but he still manages to put on matches mm. uh, so like nothing's really impossible in the world of wrestling you know and he's also had a lot of support wrestlers come out and on support of him and wish him the best and you got fans wishing him the best they also apparently there's been a GoFundMe set up to help pay for his hospital bills so you know, it's at least it's nice to hear people like coming out and supporting Jimmy Drip through this difficult time. And I think he's most well known for his time in uh, his TNA when he was part of the Rock and Rave infection alongside Chris Amy and a young uh, Lance Archer. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. And uh, we were ta- what we were talking about their their memories of him in Ring of Honor. The most notable thing we're up was when he he wrestled CM Punk back in 05. So you know he's. He's certainly had an impact on some people, and it's sad that his career's had to end this way. Mm-hmm. Bit of a sour note. But, mm-hmm. Somebody whose career is seemingly not over, according to him, is uh, Chris Hero, the artist formerly known as Cassius Ono, who uh, has also been quite quiet ever since being released from NXT. And he said that, you know, he's, he does return, he's intense on return to wrestling. He said, if I wanted to sit back and just be a producer or an agent, in world wrestling, I could have been employed anywhere a long time ago, but I want a, I still have a lot to offer in, in the ring. So I don't know who has been offering this role as a producer, and that maybe it's what the role he was offered in WWE before he got let go. But Chris Hero is saying he's going to return to wrestling. I'm, I'm shocked that he hasn't popped up somewhere soon, like somewhere in like an AEW or, or mm. Impact or something like that so far. But maybe he's waiting for some of the smaller indies that he can tour around to, to start up again. Was he one of the people not furloughed back in when the pandemic first happened? I think he was, he was technically part of the NXT, like people who were got released because he was wrestling on NXT UK at the time. Yeah. And so I think he got a shorter non-compete clause than most other people because like Donna Perrazzo was also in NXT and then within a month of her getting released, she was uh, on Impact because she had a shorter non-compete. So uh-huh. if he wanted to go somewhere like an Impact during the been there but clearly he's got uh, other goals he doesn't want to sign to another big company and he wants to like return to the properly like, independent independent scene no but i think last time i actually saw chris hero cassius ono in a nxt uk ring it was that british rounds match with sid scala and he was doing a really good program where he was acting like you know he's the best he's the professional he's the best wrestler he's the best british wrestler even though he's from dayton ohio which is a bit bit odd but i uh, and i'm Glad we were able to see him at NXT UK in Glasgow too. Like I kind of it's weird to think that was like over a year ago as well. But um, yeah, I think it's good to see that he's not done. You know, I think he he's got a very high ring IQ and he's got a lot of knowledge about the sport. He's been in it for twenty years now, give or take. And uh-huh. yeah, he's. Uh, I think he'd have an excellent role as a producer in the same way that you know Daniel Bryan's uh, got with uh, the booking team on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. I think you can see why people would want to, to inquire about him, like being letting his role to as a trainer or a producer, because you know he referred himself as a wrestling genius, and he clearly knows a lot about wrestling through his time, and like he's very much a, a student of the game. But I think he sees it as a case of like once you become a producer or an agent, it basically means like you're stepping away from the ring and you're more behind the scenes player, and he 
clearly feels he's not ready for that quite mm-hmm. yet. Uh, well, he could probably still do both in the same way Brian's doing it. You know, Brian's still competing in the ring, even though he's got a more active role backstage. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But uh, I, I do look forward to seeing him again uh, on the Indies because, you know, like, it feels like ages since we've seen him proper, like Chris Hero. Because, you know, when he was in the, the main NXT, his real role was just basically putting people over. You know, at that time, we were all watching War Games and he got knocked out in like 10 seconds by Matt Riddle yeah. on a takeover which you can see what they were going for at the time, but it felt, just feels like he deserves so much more, and hopefully he gets that. Uh, he was sort of the job guy in NXT Full Sail, but in NXT UK, he was thriving a lot better as a heel character. Yeah, like they did it better, a lot better in NXT UK because he got to win as much as he lost. Because, you know, he, mm-hmm. he'd win over guys like Ashton Smith, but then uh, somebody they actually wanted to be like uh, Tyler Bate or something like that would then beat him. So they picked and choose and didn't have him to beat him um, lose to like the every new guy that they brought in. Mm-hmm. Well, last little bit of like, news before we, t- we look at like TLC and NXT TakeOver War Games. <laughs> uh, is, uh, regards to the dark side of the ring and the apparent news that uh, a, an episode about China has apparently uh, been scrapped for season three. Uh, we are on here a few weeks ago talking about the fact that episodes about Collision in Korea and Brian Pillman and uh, Grizzly Smith, the, the father of Tate Roberts, are, are, are being confirmed amongst the 14 episodes that are going to happen in season three. Apparently, also, there's going to be an episode about the Dynamite Kids. But uh, there will not be an episode about China. Uh, originally, there was an interview that came out with our former manager who claimed that they're what they'd offered to do an episode, but then the producers of Dark Side came out and said that they'd heard of other projects that are mm. being done about China. And so they decided it was best to leave that as a topic. Uh, what do you feel? You think it's, feel like it's a missed opportunity to, to talk about China? I think a little bit, yeah. But when I first heard that this episode was getting scrapped, my immediate thought was: Is it because uh, you know she's got too much involvement in the adult entertainment industry, shall we put it? But and she's, I mean, she, we, we've done episodes. They've done episodes as well where they've talked about hist- uh, wrestlers with like substance abuse problems and stuff, and. You know, she she had uh, some issues with that as well. But again, my initial thought turned back to the fact it was because of her her work outside the re- outside of like WWE and all that. So I don't know, maybe if they just got cold feet and just decided to bail on it, or because uh, there were conflicting projects going on. It was a it's definitely a, a tough one to call, and I think that's why WWE was so hesitant to put her in the in the Hall of Fame because you knew all that stuff would have just got resurfaced. Mm-hmm. I think like you mentioned our time in the the adult industry, as you, as you said, that I think that would make our. I don't think Vice would have a real issue with that because you know Vice aren't afraid to like look at difficult like, subjects. And unfortunately, as, as big a career that Tina had in the WWE, her end, the end of her story especially is very much fits with the theme of dark side uh, of the ring. And so it does feel like somebody they should, they could have tackled, but maybe. WWE is planning on doing something or somebody more affiliated with WWE is doing a, a project or someone who is maybe closer to China is doing something. Maybe they are doing it out of respect because I do think a more detailed like, just, like documentary about China's life is needed because, you know, other than our time, like you said, in the adult film industry, after she left wrestling, not a lot is really known about what she really did after she left. You know, she rarely did uh, shoot interviews. She did one or two. And I think she was hoping to come back to WWE at some point uh, shortly before she, she passed away. So 
it's unfortunate. Hopefully we get to see it someday, but it won't be part of Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, she has been on an episode of Whose Line Is It Anyway? So and I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. So if you want to look that up, you know, you can see her, you know, being the role of, uh, I think, doing the role of miming in voiceover, which is actually quite funny. And she gets to make out with uh, one of the performers, too. She also got a, a small role in a, a couple of the Third Rock for the Sun as well. Yeah, I remember because that would have been like around the time the attitude of that, that show was on. And so I think she was quite funny in that. And cause she was one of the few people, like one of the few females I got to do like cross promotional stuff outside of the usual like Playboy stuff that likes of uh, stable did. Because I know China did do that as well, but she got to do other stuff. Like mm-hmm. she got to be like The Rock and Triple H in Austin who got a guest star on like TV shows at the time. So she was clearly a big enough star. But we talked about it a few weeks ago when we, we mentioned the announcement of Dark Side of the Ring. Is there any episodes that like subjects they haven't tackled that you think would be good to see on Dark Side of the Ring in, in season three? It's hard to say really, but I think because the cover do quite cover quite a lot of issues. Uh, I think I imagine maybe in a few years they might talk about the the Saudi Arabia shows. Mm-hmm. Because, as you mentioned, you know there was collision in the collision in Korea show announced for the new season. Yeah. I reckon maybe in a future season they might talk about the Saudi Arabia deal. Maybe it'll be interesting. Like it would be weird to see if they could get away with with doing that. But I think you do because in Korea, I imagine they'll probably be allowed to do. That. I think the fact that yeah, maybe wait a few seasons because it's still fairly fresh. I think. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I mentioned a few weeks ago I wanted to see an episode about the the uh, the plane ride from hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does have, like re- that relates to like where two people getting fired or like the idea that Brock Lesnar and uh, Mister Perfect nearly like opened the door, which could have brought down the whole bloody plane. But there's also some stories now that lend it to this to be maybe a lighter episode in terms of the subject matter than some of the other episodes, which do like center around people sadly passing away, like young. But given that nobody dies in this story. Like maybe this would be a more lighthearted topic to to handle, which I think Darkside needs at some point, at least in the, the middle of the season, to kind of balance some of the other like subject matter. I'm not sure lighthearted is the best word to describe Darkside of the Ring. Like no matter yeah. which way you spin it, but um, <clears throat> I think it'd be good, you know, to have a few episodes where death isn't the central subject. Yeah, but we'll move on to TLC because several matches have uh, not really been confirmed, but at least some of them have been. Locked in according to Meltzer in terms of like matches that are going to happen at TLC. A lot of title matches apparently are going to happen at TLC. We already know that after what happened on Raw, AJ Styles is going to face uh, Drew McIntyre for the WWE title. Mm-hmm. We know that Kevin Owens is probably going to face Roman Reigns for the Universal title. Apparently, it's also planned that uh, Sami Zayn will defend the Intercontinental title against Big E. Uh, Lana and Asuka will apparently challenge Nia Jax and Shayna for the Women's Tag titles. And Ziggler and Rude are apparently going to challenge the, the Street Profits for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. So, a lot of titles on the line at TLC, so hopefully mm. we can get some good stuff from the, the final pay-per-view of the year. Well, as well as we discussed, Roman Reigns' Kevin Owens almost feels like a filler at this stage before, well, it's on the build to the Royal Rumble. Street Profits versus Ziggler and Rude is, doesn't really surprise me because there's not that many tag teams on SmackDown nowadays, and it's... You know, I'm sounding like a broken record when it comes to WWE and tag teams, but they just have absolutely none whatsoever, uh, apart from, you know, maybe Ray and Dominic at a push, but, you know, this is 
this is the, the peak of their tag team division. It's uh, the Street Profits, and, it, and they're actually probably one of the best tag teams they've ever had as well. Shayna Naya ask Alana is certainly a possibility. I could actually see this match being a, a tables match as well, given the whole Naya putting Lana through the, the tables on a week-by-week basis. And I reckon this is an opportunity for them to also get a fluky win, much like they've been doing for for week like Lana's been doing for the last couple of weeks, like at Survivor Series, where she won she became sole survivor without doing anything. She beats she pins Shayna after Asuka shining wizards are in the side of the head. I and a tables match is a very is a very safe bet to ensure a fluky win in some aspect. Because think John Cena Sheamus, uh that table spot probably wasn't meant to happen. And then Sheamus ends up winning the title. Big Show Cody Rhodes at Extreme Rules 2012. Big Show actually steps through the table and Cody wins that by default. I can see something similar happening here where in some convoluted manner, Lana is able to put Nia through a table and win the women's tag team titles with Asuka. And it's only going to do Asuka wonders as well because you know that would make her a double champion with uh, a singles and tag team tag team title and she and she's earned it easily yeah i can almost see this going exactly like the big show cody Rhodes match like lana Naya's gonna be like on the apron Naya's gonna lana's gonna like nudge into her and then she'll like step through part of the table and it'll break and then they'll call the match and lana and nasco will win there'll be some sort of comedy like spot i don't want actually i want to see lana with a title to be <laughs> but... honest with you I don't think any of us want to. I think this is just to make us hate her more. Like, say, oh, she's getting these ridiculous fluky wins all the time and it's actually getting really frustrating. It's the same way, like... Uh, I, think they're trying to make her, I think they're trying to make her a face, to be honest with you, because like, they've got a chronicle about her and she's talking about her personal struggles. I don't want to downplay whatever she's been through. I don't know her. Mm. But, and then having people basically bully her and laugh at her at severities and then she he's the one that comes out on top. They're trying to make her a face. But the mm. issue is, I don't care about you, Lana. <laughs> see see what you said there about the, the table spot as well maybe maybe it'll be like Shayna throws Lana into Naya who's standing on the on the apron and or she throws Lana to the outside inadvertently bumps her into Naya and that's how Naya goes through a table so it'll actually be Shayna's fault that she goes through and then that sets up a feud between those two yeah so if it frees up like Shayna to go after Asuka for their women's title, I'm fine with it because Shayna, yeah, it's good to see her with the title, but you know, her and Naya going on for a bit long, you know, get her away from that anti vaxxer and get Shayna back into the Raw Women's title and have her win the title like which she should have done like ages ago. <laughs> yeah, I think she's long overdue a singles run with the Raw Women's title that Shayna Baszler. hundred percent. And What's interesting, I think, is we talked about Big E potentially winning the Rumble, but now he's been put into an intercontinental uh, title program with with Sammy. So I'm interested to see how this goes. Like, are they going to have him win the IC title, but lose it after the Rumble? If he is going to win it, is he not going to win the Rumble? And he's going to be in the IC title scene, or maybe he could win the Rumble whilst being intercontinental champion, but then lose it between then and WrestleMania. I mean, it is possible because think about it 2016 Dean Ambrose was Intercontinental Champion he was runner-up that year when Triple H won it for a second time John Cena in 2005 he became number one contender for the WWE title from that tournament when he was still US Champion so I wouldn't rule it 
I wouldn't rule it out to say, you know, maybe the US or Intercontinental Champion could still win the Royal Rumble. You know, I, I'm, I'm hopeful for a big thing to work for a big year that still wins maybe an IC takeaway, maybe a Rumble win, you know, because I've got him in my draft. But <laughs> Biggie has said that he knows what the plans are for him. Apparently, it's all been laid out. Like, they've laid out for him, this is what we're going to do, going from here to going here. And he says there are some, like, big plans for him, but he is also quoted to saying, I'll believe it when I see it. Because, you know, things in WWE can just change like, like that. Yeah. Uh, sometimes like, people change their minds, and by people I mean Vince. But I'll be interested to see what happens with Biggie, because we know he was IC champion before in 2014, before the New Day, and it wasn't really, it was quite underwhelming that reign. And I'll be interested because like, they wanted to win the Rumble, but not win the IC title. I'm going to see how they, if they have a gimmick sale match, like a chairs match or a ladder match with Sammy, and like, so he doesn't need to get pinned so it can protect him. But the idea of him be Reigns at WrestleMania and then the lead up to it, Roman costs him the IC title to somebody, uh, like a Baron Corbin, just to get that extra bit of heat. You know, mm. Roman helps Baron Corbin win a title and then just makes him even more of a bastard. See, this is why we need to be on the booking team. This is the kind of decisions <laughs> that WWE need to, be, need to be making. If only we had a show on our YouTube channel where we could book these kind of things, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, I believe it's called <laughs> uh, Book It. Hmm. But also what's interesting is that like, one of the more obvious ones is uh, the Street Profits match. I think given that Street Profits just beat uh, the New Day at Survivor Series, like, they're not going to lose the titles anytime soon. Yep. I think the non-title one that Rudolph got recently is basically just to, so they can give a reason for them challenging at TLC. Uh, what I don't see on this plans is a Sasha versus Carmella match, which you think would happen. Or maybe they'll decide to lead up for SmackDown so they can promote a big match on Fox. And you got to think uh, uh, Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt, the first match in their feed, would, would happen at TLC. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's difficult to say, really, because Sasha Carmella is the obvious feud coming out of the SmackDown women's title match. Uh, Orton and The Fiend, they might do something at TLC, or they could possibly stretch out towards the Rumble, because these are two big... Uh, two big stars and you need a you need a sort of marquee undercard match to sell at the rumble but at the moment it's still all a bit up in the air but i like i think your predictions for title matches uh do seem fairly accurate i'm not too sure if they'll pull the trigger on Sami Zayn and biggie just yet but it's uh it wouldn't surprise me if that was there i'm just going off what uh what melt study claims that these matches are apparently locked in yeah. Even though they haven't been like, officially announced yet, we have seen like hints towards where these are going. Still take it uh, with a massive pinch of salt. Oh yeah, definitely. But talking about TLC, we know AJ is going to win the. He won the triple threat match at on Raw, so he can challenge Drew McIntyre at TLC, and it'll also be a great match AJ versus Drew. But the whole like series of singles matches to lead to the triple threat allegedly was meant to be as. Apparently, a last minute thing that was decided uh, last week on Raw because Braun Strowman was suspended to cover up a supposed injury, which may pan out for longer than Dewey originally thought because it was believed that Strowman would challenge through at TLC, and now obviously he's out and AJ Styles is in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, there were rumours that uh, Strowman was injured. I think it was a knee injury picked up during the Survivor Series match. So. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they saved Strowman for Drew at the Royal Rumble because, you know, Strowman, he's obviously a very, very dominant Royal Rumble competitor and having 
having him not in the Royal Rumble match actually does a lot of the other guys uh, some favours, particularly if the rumoured winner is supposed to be Big E. So I think, I mean, obviously Drew and Braun obviously have uh, history with themselves. Like they were part of that three-person stable with Dolph Ziggler as well back in 2018. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, but that was when Strowman was sort of temporarily a heel. Uh, Although he's, for some reason, there have been rumours online he's reverted back to a face, but he does very, some... He does seem more like a heel these days. Mm-hmm. I don't really know if I'm all that interested in seeing Braun Strowman in the title picture after his uh, he's Universal title run earlier this year. And I think AJ Drew, I can't think of a time where they would have crossed paths. Because uh, like, by the time Drew was like, on the Indies, AJ was over in Japan and then went to WWE. So I don't think these guys were ever to face each other before. Nope. Not one on one, at least, though, because they've been in triple threat. Ma- they've been in multi man matches before. I think a triple threat with Randy Orton as well, but uh, never. I don't think they've ever faced each other one on one. And like, how big is that going to feel for Drew, though? Like going one on one with probably the best wrestler of the past decade on a WWE pay per view for a world title. Like that's the stuff. Like so many aspiring wrestlers, you know, would like to say. You know, they've gone one on one with AJ Styles. Hmm. Uh, I think this is more interesting than a Braun Drew feud. I think you can even extend this to the Rumble because you know Drew is definitely going to be the guy that carries the WWE title into WrestleMania, given that how quickly they put it back on him after the uh, after loss to Randy, and Randy's obviously busy with the Fiend. Because like it's not just the fact that you get this first ever time like match, you've got the potential like interference from a uh, from AJ's new heavy on the outside. Mm-hmm. Who dwarfs Drew? Dwarfs bloody Braun when you see them all standing together at Survivor oh, Series. Listen, so. if, he's, if he's dwarfing Braun Strowman, you know he's a massive guy. And I think his name's Omos now. That's what the, like the nameplates say. The idea of him getting involved in the match to try and cost Drew, but like if Drew manages to hit this guy with like a claymore, you know, because I don't know if this guy's like far like wrestling wise. I think you can like, take bumps. I don't know how he is like wrestling matches. So the idea of him getting physical with Drew and Drew just like takes him out, out with a claymore would be uh, cool to see. I mean, he goes for a claymore, he only gets as high as his maybe his 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 waist at best. He'll he'll have to stamp his stand on his toe to get him to kneel down a bit, then you can hit him in the face with a claymore. Yeah, I mean maybe because if almost is just standing upright, Drew's not getting any higher than maybe his uh than his waist. <laughs> Move on from TLC because that's still a few weeks ago. That will be on the 20th of December. But this actual weekend on Sunday, uh, War Games is happening. And on Saturday, Draft Live, we'll talk about these matches again because David has some predictions to make, which he will make on Saturday, Draft Live. Uh, that's right. Yep. Him versus Daniel Campbell to crown the undisputed uh, ESSR champion, Daniel Campbell, and make his predictions on a special live stream. Uh, on Facebook Live or at least 3pm on Sunday, the day of War Games, as kind of response to David's predictions. But we'll, we'll just talk about uh, War Games because you know, that's one of the big things that we're setting up for this week. We've got two big War Games matches. We've got the Undisputed Era versus who I put down as Pat and the Boys, <laughs> uh, Pat McAvey, Pete Tun, Bonnie Larkin, and Danny Birch. Like, they should be called uh, Pat and the Boys because they're by no means the kings of NXT. That title belongs to Undisputed Era. I I mean, like, fight me on this. I thought they were maybe, I thought they were 
remember you called the brand because like when that comes out, this video thing just says the brand. So I thought that's what they were. That's what they uh, were called. But, but yeah, it's it's weird because on Wikipedia they're referred to as the kings of NXT, but the Pat and the brand or Pat and the boys definitely sounds sounds like sounds more accurate. What's interesting now with the announcement of this match is that. The Undisputed Era have now been in every male version of the, the war games since they brought back, because obviously now we're, we've got our second ever female war games that we'll talk about in a bit. Also, what's weird about this is that this is the first time Undisputed Era go into this match as the faces. They've always went in as the heels, and mm-hmm. they're, they're the good guys, basically. Yeah, it's, I even said as well, I think Undisputed Era's got a good shot of winning because you know we had the, the advantage ladder match happen last week where Pete Dunne got the advantage by beating Kyle O'Reilly and it's I've always seemed to see that the team that has the the war games advantage actually ends up losing so I'm just going off historical trends here so by that logic it makes me think that Undisputed Era will win but I'm not making that my official prediction I think just basing it on what's happened in the past you'd think the team that has the advantage is probably going to lose I think the reason the team that has the advantage loses is so that because it's usually the heels that get the advantage, so the faces look more like they've got more odds to fight against, which makes their win look more triumphant. Because I mm-hmm. like if a team who has the advantage wins, and they doesn't feel like they've got that many stakes. You know, it just looks like the team with the advantage won very easily because of that advantage. And I think the exception of undisputed errors win in 2017, uh, it's been all faces, all face teams that have won. Yeah, war games because like 2018, uh, Pete Dunn, Ricochet, and the War Raiders, as they went in, on, uh, won the the war games, and then Rhea's team came down from a two to four advantage disadvantage to win. You know, Kevin Owens helped Champa's team yep. beat Undisputed Era last year, so it just seemed to be that they like this, this is the ultimate match in NXT for heel teams to get their comeuppance, and I could see that happening with Pat, especially I could see Pat basically doing what Adam Cole did in 2017, like he tried to playing out the cage and then gets like suplexed on everybody probably this time by Adam Cole uh, I hope Pat eats like a massive spot you know whether it's uh, he gets put through a table or you know he gets chucked off the cage because that man is probably the most annoying person I've ever seen grace <laughs> NXT TV you know you know 100% he's coming out last you know they have the order which guys yeah. come out so you got to think he's definitely coming out last because and it makes sense and I remember hearing rumours a few months ago about a face and this beer, and I thought, I just don't really know how they can pull that off. Put them against Pat McAfee. Okay, yeah, definitely. Yep, they're so definitely much. the faces to me. Anybody, Baron Corbin is the face if he goes up against Pat McAfee. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, anybody you put up against Pat is, is automatically the face. <laughs> yeah, uh, it'll be very interesting to see, uh, especially now, I, I believe this will then we'll keep this weekend going. After this, you know, because only Larkin and Danny Burch especially have the, the tie titles, then maybe when the Spirit Air will want to take the tie team titles. So I don't think this will be the end of the feud. I'm so glad to see Larkin and Burch uh, in a main event match now because they've just been stuck on the tag team undercard for so long now, and it's good that they're getting that spotlight. I don't know if they've mentioned it, but uh, I think something they should have mentioned to help their motivation is for going after the Spirit Air should have been like the last one of the last big opportunities was when. And they got that title match at TakeOver Chicago 2 mm-hmm. against Unspeed Air when they were the good guys and Unspeed Air with the heels. Yep. And basically Chicago just turned on them and cheered Unspeed Air for most of the match. Yep. So I'm we, surprised they haven't, brought, they haven't brought that up in a long-term booking, isn't it? 
we discussed that on our women's rivalry show, which is now on uh, on our on our back catalogue. Uh, I, I mentioned that this was still one of my favourite tag team matches in NXT ever, not just because I thought Undisputed Era was going to retain, but just because of the sheer chemistry and the the near falls of the action. It was just it all blended so well together, and it this elevated Larkin and Birch in in my opinion just from that match alone. You know that I've said that this might not be the official like, end of the feud. That makes me worry that Pat and his team will win, which I, I hope they don't, but you'll never know. We, uh, we'll talk about a team that's still got one member still to be announced, but I think we can tell who that final member is probably going to be. The Candice mm-hmm. Lurie's team of her, Tony Storm, Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez, taking on Chelsea Blackheart's team of her, Ember Moon, and recently announced Rhea Ripley. And I think it's probably going to be Io Shirai who's going to be the final member because you can't not have the women's champion on the show because I don't mm. think she's got any other women left to challenge her. And we know Finn Balor's still not excuse to be on the show, so you need at least one of your, your top champions involved in. You've got your tag champs involved in the other war games. It's a no-brainer. Like, even especially when there was that angle where Candice's team, uh, Raquel had carried out a knocked-out EO uh, onto the ramp. And I think, I think it'd be stupid not to have EO on this card either, especially if she doesn't have a a singles challenger to go up against like and th- those two teams either side it actually looks very well put together because it makes me think you know if indy hartwell was in candace's team as we originally mm-hmm. suspected like having the tony storm heel turn you know i think that actually balances the team out a lot more plus it gets you on the card so in essence they've actually booked it a lot better uh, this time around you know with a, a very uh very sudden heel turn because having i think having indy on candace's team actually would have made theirs look a bit weaker Whereas Team Shotzi, you know, would have an Ember Moon, Rare Ripley, and Tony Storm. That just looks very, very strong just on paper. But having Tony Storm swap sides and have EO join Team Shotzi, it makes it a bit more balanced. Yeah, it shows more, more of the depth of the women's division. You look at the talent you've got when you read out the, the participants. And as I mentioned before, you know, most Wargames have a big spot off the top of the, the cages. You know, you had, like I said, Adam Cole in 2017. I think Ricochet did a spot mm-hmm. uh, off the cage. 18, you yeah, I think, uh, and last year's women's one did a moonsault. What I think should happen here, and if they don't do it, they miss a major opportunity. Ember Moon needs to hit an eclipse off of the cage. Like, <sighs> that has to happen. Like, hit it on Candice, probably sell it the best. You know what? That is extremely ambitious, given how high you have, she'd have to jump uh, to get that to work. Uh, all, all while doing a corkscrew and making sure that you catch her for the stunner, I think. I mean, I'd love to see it, but I think it would be practically impossible to try and pull that off. I hope Io does a moonsault from the top of the cage. You know, play a, play a spot that she's done before. Yeah, I'm just trying to think, what can they do that they've not done before? Like, who, who else has a big move they can do off the top, you know? And I'll uh, Ember's got that. I'm not sure, like, because you don't really see Candice, Tony, or Dakota do any sort of big high-flying moves. It's mainly Ember or Eo that usually does them. Mm-hmm. Although Shotzi does do that sort of, uh, that sort of senton bomb. Not not the bomb, just sort of the senton drop just where she jumps on her back. You know, she might, she might do that from the top of the cage. It's relatively easy to do. Maybe. Who knows? But, like, this will be a very interesting match. I think if you want to really push Shotzi as a like, new contender in the women's division, which they seem to be doing, you know, they put her in the position of like, host of Halloween Havoc, and I think this is our first... Is this Shotzi's first... Oh, no, she was in your house, but... Yeah, it's our in most your house. Like, 
is our most high profile match to, to date. So I think having Charlotte get a win over her team would be a big like, statement on how NXT like, feels about Shotzi Blackheart. Yeah, I hear they're actually really high on Shotzi and they want to make her uh, a top contender for the women's title. And she had that cracking match with, with Io Shirai about a couple of months back. I, mm-hmm. She's been close a couple of times, but she, I think she just needs that one last big push to sort of establish her as a top competitor. You know, like she's heavily featured in the, the promotion for this show. You know, the tank looks similar to her tank that she used to drive out to the ring. Uh, the tank on the poster looks very similar to the tank she used to ride to the ring. And, you know, I think, I hope she comes out with some sort of big tank with all of her team on it. If they can try and work that into the <laughs> Capitol uh, Wrestling Centre. That'd be amazing. You know, some big, like, <laughs> I think it would be pretty cool. But outside of, of War Games, we have a couple of matches. Uh, we have another gimmick match, but this is going to be a, a strap match. Dexter mm-hmm. Lumis taking on Cameron Grimes. I think given he took on Roderick Strong's strap match back at the Great American Bash, I think mm-hmm. the strap match is quickly becoming Dexter Lumis' special gimmick match. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, a strap match was basically made for a guy like Dexter Lumis, who is somebody that everybody everybody tries to run away from. But, I mean, if he's looking at you like that with that creepy moustache, it's uh, I'd, I'd certainly <laughs> run away from him. Yeah. Because like, they had that big Halloween match on Halloween Havoc, best place for it, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, where Cameron kept running away from him. You had the, the blindfold match that Cameron Grimes won, but he cheated and then immediately ran away as soon as he won. So obviously, can't run away in a strap match. Mm-hmm. And like, I think the big things were planned for Loomis. I think he was probably going to win the North American title before uh, TakeOver 30, before he had to get taken out due to injury. So I think if you want to get him back in contention... Uh, for a title in NXT, he's definitely going to win this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm surprised Cameron Grimes hasn't won the NXT North American title yet because he is probably the second most annoying person on NXT after Pat McAfee. And because he, his character work is great, you know, he does really well as a heel. He's very, very annoying. And obviously, you know, you can't forget, you know, he's the guy that wears the hat, much like myself. <laughs> so it's. Uh, I think Cameron Grimes has been heavily underutilized this year, and he's getting this this really high profile match with somebody like Dexter Loomis, who's making waves of his own, which is uh, which is really good. Yeah, uh, yeah, Cameron Grimes. Like what people forget is these two guys were if I remember that breakout tournament that they had uh, last year. That's uh, right. Yes. Yeah, obviously things didn't work out with the the person who won that. There was ended controversially, but like Cameron Grimes was in the final. Dexter mm. Loomis actually went out in the first round. And you look at some of the other guys in there, you know, you had Angel Garza, who then went up to the main roster. You got Bronson Reed, he's been doing some good stuff. Yep, he went uh, recently, well. Joaquin Wilde is now uh, aligned with uh, uh, Santos Escobar, you know. So you got, it's interesting to see where the guys from that tournament are now. Now you've got two guys from that tournament coming together to feature like, takeover match, because I think this is both men's like, first singles match on a takeover. Yep, that's right. Yeah, because like... Loomis got involved in a in that parking lot brawl in your house, but didn't have a match. And Graham's is the only other match that I think where I think has been a, in that multi man ladder match. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's only one title match on the show. It's uh, Leon Ruff versus Johnny Gargano versus Damian Priest. And I think with Leon Ruff recently winning the North American title, I think he's the most glad that uh, they weren't including NXT in this year's uh, Survivor Series. Because mm-hmm. if he had to be in that match with Bobby Lashley, Bobby Lashley would have 
throwing that boy through the roof. Oh my gosh, see if he had a spear on on Leon Ruff, he probably would have snapped in half. Oh yeah, he, he'd be dead. Yeah. Like, like when Jr. says, God, if I went, he would have broken, he's, he's broken in half. This would be the literal definition of that. Yeah. Like Bobby Lashes goes for a full-on spear, he would literally just go go right through him like in Mortal Kombat or something. It's funny because like, when they purchased Evolve, they brought in a lot of their talent. You know, Shotzi was one of the big premier talents they brought in and they seen the, they're planning big things for her. And then Leon Ruff pops up as mainly a, an instant guy and then all of a sudden he gets this flick win, you know, you know the modern-day Barry Horowitz. But you know what? It's been a good week for Leon Ruff. Uh, never mind, you know, just the, the last few last month or so. He's uh, he's just got engaged as well to WWE mm-hmm. official Aja Aja King. There you go. I think that's her name. Yeah, I know he got engaged. I can't remember her name, but I know she is a referee. Yeah. Uh, she. I don't know. If she, is she on NXT or is it Raw? I can't. I can't remember which one. But yeah, either way, he's basically engaged to an official now, so he's got a bit of uh, a bit of leniency if she's refereeing one of his matches. I think. I think she refereed one of his first matches on NXT when he got murdered by Karrion Cross, and he oh, got gosh. thrown out the ring. Throwing a bit like a wet tracky, I remember. Yeah, it's been interesting. Like, it's, it's clearly they see the big things in him because like he gets brought in. He, you know, he does a few like enhancement matches where he's on the losing end, and then suddenly he's now in the mix with the Damian Priest and one of the cornerstones of, of NXT, Johnny Gargano. No, it's a big program to be put a part of, and to be having the NXT North American title so soon into his run. It's, uh, I mean, it's quite an unorthodox and unconventional way of building a new star. But you know, all eyes are on him right now. Mm-hmm. And like the idea, like when Johnny uh, Gargano did this wheel to determine his opponent, and it landed on Rahul, it was clearly in his mind right, so he could get an easy win. And then the idea that it backfired on the heel mm. is an excellent bit of storytelling. And also, the format of this triple threat match means that Ruff could kind of randomly just like be knocked out and just look like get his hand on like one of the guys that's down and like escape with his title. And he not even had to do anything. He could easily do his best Lana impression in this match, definitely. Oh, clearly enough. Don't compare him to Lana. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I like this idea, and uh, I'm hoping they're going to go all out because you know Johnny Gargano doesn't really do things half hours in his matches, especially not on a takeover. Mm-hmm. We were actually recording this before the the, uh, the go home episode of NXT, so. We don't know what the fifth match is. We know there's four matches announced. Usually they like to have a solid like five on TakeOver. But I put with a question mark next to it. Uh, Champa versus Thatcher, because that's one of the only real programs that's being built right now that could go on TakeOver. You know, a match between Tommaso Champa and Timothy Thatcher. You know, again, a potential first-time match. I can't remember a time they've ever actually came across each other, even though they were all have wrestled in like similar places. And, you know, it's... It's quite a unique match to, to put on a takeover. Mm, yeah, I think maybe this would be a good undercard match, but that's not to say you know it might not happen because you know last year the two War Games matches took up the majority of the the show, and that was only four matches too. Not no titles were even defended, but we did get that cracking triple threat between Pete Dunne, uh, Damian Priest, and Debo, Killian Dane. Mm-hmm. And the, I can't even remember what the other match was uh, because it was that. Because uh, all you could Riddle, it was Riddle versus Balor because it was maybe Gargano. Gargano got oh, that's it. Yes, and Riddle was meant to be in the War Games match, but he got replaced by Dijakovic. Yeah, no, I remember that now. 
so I mean, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me if they just went on for for four matches. You know, the war games take up the majority. The strap match might go on uh, for quite a bit, and we could see an outstanding triple threat, like much like we did last year. Uh, yeah, I think. Well, well, I think I like the idea of this match being there because it would be a singles match. You know, you can like have because uh, we've got two war games and then uh, a strap match. So you need something other than the triple threat to kind of break up the gimmick matches and don't have them like the strap match follow one of the war games because that'll be a probably difficult match to follow at the best of times. Mm-hmm. And then what's especially interesting about uh, a Thatcher versus Champa matches. Uh, you got to think who you could see winning that because you know Thatcher. I don't think has got a takeover win yet. His real only, his only real takeover match was against Balor and he lost. Mm-hmm. But then Champa has really needed a big win ever since he came back uh, to NXT after the big league getting squashed by Cross in your house. You know, and he was part of that four way Ironman match. He didn't win it. He's not really done much. So I think it's a case of two guys who really need to win going in there. And barring each other, you don't know who's going to win. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. Well, we interesting. I wouldn't. I'm not saying it'll definitely happen. I'm just trying to think what how you takeovers usually go and how they usually to be like formatted, and like the idea of like six matches or five matches happening is usually how they like to do things. Mm. Well, if you want to know how a takeover is booked, just watch the latest episode of Book It. Cheap plug. <laughs> uh, well plug, but. You kind of, you wanted to kind of talk about uh, AEW, even though uh, we're talking this, we're recording this before AEW is happening. But tonight's episode uh, is still winter is coming, and like it's been treated as one of the big, one of the more like special episodes of Dynamite mm-hmm. uh, because also they got the big match between Kenny Omega and John Moxley, and they they got there into a big Dynamite Diamond Ring Battle Royal because. That's important for some reason because uh, MJF got it. And does, does MJF have to give back his diamond ring, or does he have, or does he get to hold on to it, or does he just make a new one every year? I think he gives it back and then tries to win it, win it back right. for a second time in this that royal. Like, I guess because of like the last two, uh, uh, it comes into the last two, and then they go on to a singles match. I think the following week, because that's how it happened before. I think right. it came to yes. Hangman and Hangman and MJF. MJF yeah. won the Wardlow yeah that, that's right uh, but yeah I mean this is sort of like their uh, sort of like their Andre the Giant Battle Royal at Wrestlemania every year that, that, that's, that's what this reminds me of you know you just you get a nice shiny reward but does it really mean anything I think it really only works for heel ones because NJF has used that diamond ring to kind of cheat in matches and like use it as a weapon kind of basically as a variation of like brass things with some sort of foreign object to, to hit people with Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, so then, if a face wins it, well, then it's a case of like the face just does what he usually does, but now he's got a shiny ring on his hand. Yeah, yeah. Like anything that an, yeah, like, an obnoxious rich boy heel would would uh, would do very well. Yeah, you know, you, the MGF is in this, so you you know you'll try and win it you know, twice in a row. And I think it's the idea of a good like big feature show before. I in between your next pay-per-view because the next pay-per-view isn't until the end of February. Mm-hmm. So they need a big feature like episode of Dynamite. I mean, no, I've got Orange Cassidy in my draft team, but I doubt he'll win it because, you know, if he wins the Diamond Ring, you'll never see the thing because his hands are always in his pockets. Aye, that is true. <laughs> Aye, but can we make our predictions for Moxley Omega? Because uh, at time of recording, we won't know like who's uh, 
who's won yet because there have been stories going around that Kenny Omega has actually been dealing with a labrum injury, but he's been rehabbing it and it's put him off going to surgery. So you never know, it might not be as bad as you think. I think there's a chance Omega could still win it because I think if he wins this, it doesn't wrestle till Revolution because mm. uh, like the AEW champion doesn't always wrestle, uh, but he, he does make appearances. So I think you can find a way to have Mega win the title and not wrestle for a while. Because like apparently he is still like uh, scheduled to appear at Triple Mania like a week or so after this because he is the current Triple A like Mega Champion. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's got a scheduled title defense, so you know he, he's he's still planning on going to that show. So you can like come do that, do Triple Mania. And then just like keep him out of the ring so he can further rehab his injury and, to, and so he's fit for revolution. And also, you know, this is just you know, purely as a New Japan fan, you know, Moxley can then take a wee trip over to Japan and defend his US title against Kenta, who <laughs> had that number of contender briefcase for a good few months now. The thing's falling apart because he keeps hitting people with it. <laughs> That's just my thoughts. What do you think? Uh, well, I mean, if as easy as that as that sounds, it's um, I think we'll have to wait till the uh, all the the world leaders say it's it's all good to travel to other countries again. So I don't know what's the state of the if uh, you know working between America and Japan is going to work, but I think the sooner the better. That's all I can say on that front. I mean, I think some, you can go to other countries, but you, once you get you have like a couple weeks of quarantine. Because, uh, like, you know, Girls of Destiny were in the UK, or within the US, and then they went over, and they were, like, tweeting from, like, their hotel room where they were quarantined for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. before competing in their tag tournament. So if Moxley does this, and then, like, shortly after Christmas goes over and quarantines by January 4th or 5th, he should be, like, able to compete, hopefully. And, you know, the way Japan have been doing it, you know, like they said, they've had people like, with a capacity event since, like, mid-July, and so far, New Japan have not had any reports of cases from their shows. Well, we we did find out as well Moxley's going to become a dad because he's uh, he said that Renee's pregnant now. So it's... Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how often he'll be making the trips over to Japan now because I think if he's gone back to defend the IWGP US title, I reckon he's going to drop it. Just so we well, can think, uh, spend more time at home. I think so. I think just go over there, you know, Tyler will say, you know, drop the belt to uh, someone who will be there. Akenta, and then like they come back and it's like once the world's up and running again if he feels like going back over he can go back and challenge for it again but who do you think is going to gonna win between him and Omega? It's hard to say because obviously Kenny Omega's injury or not injuries kind of playing on my mind a bit but if I was to, to hazard a guess I think this could still be an opportunity for Kenny to revive his cleaner character and he can do that without wrestling. So it's a bit of a risky bet, but I'll, match, I'll go with Kenny Omega to defeat Moxley. Because I said before, I think it was Alan asked me about the idea of like changing the title on a diamond. Well, we talked on that same episode about the WWE title changing hands, so WWE aren't afraid of doing it. I don't think AEW should be either. Yep. Uh, it's going to happen eventually. Why not? have it happen on a show like this between two yeah. of the biggest guys they've got and, uh, and they're, a- also, they're advertising it as a big show as well so why not cap it off with a big title change you know Tony Khan's doing a media call to promote everything so you can tell like and they all usually do that for like, featured episodes of Dyn- Dynamite like a Fighter Fest or one of the pay-per-views so you can see that it's clearly a big deal going back to the Dynamite 
Diamond Ring Battle Royal, like if it comes down to two people who then go on to see a singles match. I heard speculation from people who say that, given the current storylines, they think it's going to end up being uh, MJF and either Santana or Ortiz. You know, one of the members of the inner circle that doesn't want them in the inner circle to mm. help further the tension amongst the group. Yeah, I, I can see that happening, especially if they want to expand the story with, you know, MJF and Wardlow as part of the inner circle. You know, they're causing shenanigans and there's a bit of a conflict between members. I think MG, it makes sense that MJF is going to be one of the ones to go uh, try and retain it. But mm-hmm. if he is going to retain it, it has to be someone with a inner circle. Yeah. And then obviously if the other one of them cheats on the other, then you can further cause rift after and they have Chris Jericho come out and try and play peacemaker between them two. Yeah. Keep that going. And well, you can know you can let us know if you're listening to this on Thursday on Twitter, just let us know how wrong we are or how right we are <laughs> on uh, on Twitter at Suplex Retweet. Uh, the last story I want to mention before we, we wrap things up here is that regards to Impact Wrestling is a big return recently. Uh, somebody who it looked like they were retiring from wrestling, but Jazz, former WWF Women's Champion, she's spent the mm-hmm. time in ECW as well, also a former NWA Women's Champion for a while, uh, has made a return to wrestling. She returned to, she debuted in Impact Wrestling uh, as the tag team partner Jordan Grace as a team in the in the Knockouts Tag Team Tail Tournament. They had a first round match against Renee Michelle, real life wife of uh, Drake Maverick, and uh, former NXT UK star uh, Killer Kelly and which is a, a great match I haven't actually seen it yet but I really want to see it and what do you think like I think Impact gains a lot by having a, a veteran like Jazz now part of the division even if it's just as like one half of a tag team yeah definitely you know and it gives her a bit more of a limited role uh, when it comes to in-ring action you, know, you could probably see Jordan Grace doing the majority of the work for this tag team because you know obviously Jazz has been around the business for like a good while now and, you know, maybe age and ring rust might be catching up with her. So, But I can actually see these two going to the final of the TNA Knockouts uh, final. I don't, I'm not sure if they'll win it, you know, because they might just put over a, another tag team. But having Grace and Jazz uh, in the, as, a, as a sort of key focal point of this tournament, they have to go the, they have to go the distance at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being like the powerhouse team of the, of the new tag team division, because uh, like Jazz, I, I mentioned when I commented about the women's rivalry show, I said about how Trish's rivalries with people like Victoria don't get talked about. You know, Jazz had some good matches with Trish and Lita. You know, we'll talk about uh, Trish and Lita's matches, but like people forget, at WrestleMania 18, Jazz retained the women's title over both of those two. Mm-hmm. And I thought that you know people don't remember that match because it sadly followed Rock Austin, Rock uh, Hogan, which nobody could really follow that match, but. You know, she's had great matches. She's beaten Trish Stratus on multiple occasions for the title. You know, she she did a video as part of NWA when she was women's champion, and they talked about her like her life outside of wrestling, where she had an actual day job, and between wrestling as the NWA women's champion, and her day job was was a corrections officer at a women's prison. So she's uh, definitely tough in and out of the ring. Oh yeah, and, like her and like I said, her and Jordan Grace is as bad as like powerhouse team. Is a great addition to again another stacked women's division. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Well, very too too little jazz talk on a uh, on a women's women's rivalry show, so we had to have it here to close out this show. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> but that's all the news we have and all the recaps we have today for East Central. We will 
probably talk more about TLC as we get closer to it. And as I said, uh, Saturday Draft Live and on our community on Sunday, there'll be more stuff to do with uh, war games and predictions for that. So be stay tuned for that. And tune into all our other shows, uh, an upcoming feature shows on all good Android podcast sites, uh, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, because we like rating, we subscribe on your platform of choice. Follow us on Twitter to get notifications when shows are going up and uh, who's who comes out on top in this predictions contest on Sunday between David and Daniel uh, at Suplex Street, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Join our Facebook community chat with like-minded uh, wrestling fans. Get involved and give us comments about your thoughts about our future shows and also so you don't miss that upcoming uh, Facebook Live uh, with Daniel and Ross giving Daniel's predictions for the predictions contest this Sunday. And also keep up with all future episodes of the podcast and all the other great stuff we do, like Saturday Live, East Meets West and the like, and all the good stuff on our YouTube channel. And I'm trying to remember if there's anything else I have to plug. No, I think that's everything. But David, uh, I thank you for joining me today as we ran down the, this past week in wrestling. Yeah, it's been a, a hectic week in terms of news, so I'm just glad we got through most of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad uh, we got through it too. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope you stay tuned for more episodes of Central going forward. Uh, we also hope you stay safe and given it's December, have a have a safe and happy Christmas. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.